0: what's up everyone and welcome back to another episode of till good game do us part this is episode 25 and i am your host troy unfortunately this week henry cannot be with us here with us again today um he has to work i want to say thank you to our special guests For the episode that we released on Friday called Game Tester Anonymous, you can go back and listen to that on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen to this uh, podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope that it gave you some insight onto what it's like to be a game tester and that next time you're speaking to someone within that respective field, you kind of know where they're coming from or try to at least have some type of knowledge that. Yeah, it's a amazing job, you know, like any other job. It can be amazing and it has its off days. Sometimes it's off months, especially within the game industry and things like crunch. But just go into those conversations, being aware of, you know, kind of conscious of what you're saying in regards to, um, you know, how amazing the job may be for you to be looking from the outside in versus someone who's already there and in that position. You know, hopefully it gave you. You know uh, a different look to kind of say like oh what different questions can i ask in regards to this person's job as a game tester other than oh my god it's so amazing you get to play video games all day so again if you haven't uh listened to the episode go back episode 24 game tester anonymous and check it out our previous episode before that you know just just go to the, the archive and listen to the the previous episodes so there's a lot to discuss this week. Well, yeah, a lot. But before I dive into what um, the events that happened this weekend and can give out congratulations, um, we ha- unfortunately have to give out a really, really massive condolence and um, rest in peace to Jeff, Rob- Jeff Robinson. Um, for those of you don't, who don't know, that is in control at in control TV on Twitter uh, he used to play for eg and it's a very very big con- contributor and face and name within not only just esports in general but the Starcraft community unfortunately he passed away I believe it was yesterday due to um, a sickness um, a, a severe sickness I, I'm not sure In regards to if it's something that he has been dealing with before if it was all of a sudden but it was a sudden passing and if you want to read more on you know just not not read into it because there's only a tweet someone i'm assuming his family uh was able to get access to his twitter account and just tweet that out and saying you know hey there was he was in the hospital, or he was ill, and unfortunately passed away. If you want to read that, you can go to his Twitter. Again, that's in control um, TV. But I just want to give a massive condolence to his uh, family and friends. I did not know him very well. I did get to shoot a, a few images down at uh, DreamHack Austin when they had uh, StarCraft Two there, and he, Total Biscuit. Artosis, um, Nathanius, and Rotterdam were all there, casting, and just to be able to see those guys in action casting together, um, it was amazing. And I'm and I'm honored that I was able to actually capture photos of him doing, you know, doing and viewing and speaking about something he loved and was so passionate about. So again, I just want to give a really big condolences um to his family and friends and that i know that the starcraft 2 community and and, in maybe even eg the organization and people who have worked with him and fans are just in grieving with it being so sudden and again this just i just found this out we all just found this out this tweet just came out maybe within two hours ago from the time of this recording so yeah if you if you guys have heard of in control or you're a fan of in control i i wish you I, I send my condolences to you as well um if you never got a chance to meet him um it's very unfortunate that you know the opportunity has been taken away from you if you have i, I say just cherish those moments and uh yeah that, that's all you can do and just be grateful and mindful and of the casters and just remember that these guys within these communities and casters and players and everything like they're they're humans as well. So just remember, like things can happen and we need to treat everyone within the space, like with respect and just cherish each other while we're here. That's what I have to say on that. Again, condolences to his friends and family. Now, on a less somber note, let's get in. I just want to congratulate some of the um some of the orgs that won their respective events today, or yeah, for Championship Sunday. So first we have E United, I think it was, yeah. So it was E United. Um, congratulations to them for being the grand finals of the Call of Duty uh, World League down in Miami this past weekend. They faced off against, uh, I believe it was Gen G. I do know that they had to replay one of the match during the, um. One of the one of the matches during the finals, due to Clayster's uh, game actually crashing, which is very interesting, especially because I believe they're playing on PS4, and I have never seen that before. Um, I know, and I'm not you know, being someone who works in the industry. Yes, I know it's very much possible, but it's very interesting to see a game crash at LAN, um, especially on a on a console. But yeah, they replayed that, and even with that happening. E United was able to come out on top and win the entire event. So if I'm not mistaken, I believe they claimed themselves a a position within the Call of Duty World Championship. I'm not too familiar with like COD. Like I watch it, but I don't keep up with like the structure of the league. Um, So I could be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that means they clinched a spot within the Call of Duty World Championships. And other... Um, news of a, a, a org winning I want to give a congratulations to Team Liquid who has won their sixth international tournament and they you know walked away as champions for IEM Chicago this weekend uh, beating Ints. Ints, I love I love them as an organization because they are I won't say they're underrated but they always seem like they could be like the dark horse or like kind of like an underdog. I really enjoy watching that org play, whether it be CSGO, PUBG, like those that org is just I feel like they have some very strong players um underneath that flag. But again, congratulations to Team Liquid for winning. Team Liquid has been super, super dominant, you know, winning the Grand Slam recently, watching them um down at DreamHack uh Dallas and and winning like dude I know that like NA fanboys must be losing their minds right now with the fact like how dominant team liquid has been like when this run ends dude people will be upset but like as as na like you guys should just be super proud and like i know it'll come back to the you know NA trash eu blah 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 but like na has finally stepped up and shown like they can compete and like not only can they compete but they like they can be dominant and be like considered the best And this run of CSGO, uh, of Team Liquid CSGO, like, dude, these dudes are hustling and bustling their ass. So, again, congratulations to them. We also have to give a huge congratulations to uh, FaZe Clan for winning the GLL Grand Slam. Oh, man, like, I have to give a huge round of applause to Atletico. Those guys. Literally were in first place until like the very end. Like, had Faze gotten knocked out in that last match, like prior to I think it was like fifth place, if they would have fallen anywhere between that, Athletico would have walked away with the championship for GLL Grand Slam, and I'm pretty sure that would have been the first time that an Australian team has won a international event. And if not, that would have been the first time that an Australian team won an international event under, like, this new PUBG league structure. And I was actually really, like, on the edge of my seat waiting because I'm like, dude, if FaZe dropped the ball on this, like, either way, it's an amazing outcome. Like, either FaZe is going to knock them out by, like, I think it was, like, six points or seven points maybe. But, like, at, at one point in the game, like, FaZe was tied with Atletico, and it was like, OK, dude, if FaZe gets dropped like right now, Atletico can win. And then FaZe like not only gets top two. But then they clutch it because it was freaking 3v1 against uh Team Liquid's Yemti. And it was like, OK, like we know that we know that Yemti can like pull out insane 3v1s because he did it against uh. Uh, Bitloft and earlier in the tournament, where he he jumped off a of balcony and he landed, and Bitloft was in the garage, and he, unfortunately, one of the players from Bitloft down their own teammate, but Yempty was able to wipe them. But when it comes to Face Clan, like these guys, like ninety percent of the time, are gonna hit their shots, and Fuzzface and Mexi together, like those dudes are just dominant. No matter who their other, you know, their their two other players are, but Faze ended up winning that, and I think the like any, the next NA like team placed in like fifth or sixth, and I believe that was Space Station Gaming. I'm still happy that the NA teams are able to go and play because I feel like them getting another chance to play against um, different regions. only help them learn and hopefully like teach them to like scrim differently and like they can adapt to like the way that those guys are playing because they don't get to play against them so often and they they're used to just playing you know npl and eu is used to playing pel but i feel like the europeans have a better time transitioning um and out playing like npl teams just because of I don't know. They To me, they just have a better sense of adaptability than um, North American players. And I hope that this tournament, like the NPL teams are able to like use this and like review VODs and whatnot. And then like hopefully within phase three of the NPL, like either apply some of these or know how to adapt to those situations better. But that was, you know, me just giving up the quick, you know, congratulations and update on some of the events that i watch which is call of duty league csgo and PUBG. moving on from that speak while we're still on the topic of phase right the blast pro series tweeted out a a clip of the phase cs uh phase clan csgo's coach while he you know their in-game mics they they tweeted out a a, a video of their strat while the coach was talking This got a lot of backlash, and rightfully so, because, like, Blast, what were you thinking? You're going to take a clip of a coach talking to his team. Like, I believe it was a timeout, if I'm not mistaken, either. While he's literally talking about, like, what they should do next round. And you guys say, hey, you know, it would be a really good idea to post this online for everyone else to see. Why would you do that? You're literally compromising their chances of having a successful tournament, especially if they win and are able to continue on. People will know like, okay, like when they do these certain things in game, we know that their strat is coming. Blast. Get it together. I know a lot of people have been getting on like this, this like series and tournament organizer for a bit now, especially like with the whole thing of like refund like they sold tickets for $25 and then like canceled like the not canceled the event but like canceled the sales and like refunded everyone and then redid everything and was like oh yeah actually the tickets are like 99 bucks like blast I don't know what's going on with you as a tournament organizer but it needs to get straightened out and hopefully Like, with the way that things are going this year with Blast and CSGO, I hope that a lot of orgs will pull out of their their tournaments if it continues to be, like, major issues, like, of this magnitude. Especially, like, leaking strats and messing with, like, viewership numbers in regards to, like, refunding tickets. Like, I really hope that orgs pull out of their tournament and, like, just don't support it. Like, I don't care what the sponsorship is or... Like even if Orz is like no, we need to play in this because it's blah blah blah. excellent, is good for that. I hope like the players will like have some type of stance like no, like there's too much stuff that happens with Blast. Like like let's just avoid that craziness, and like not even have to deal with it and focus on like the bigger tournaments or bigger like majors and things like that. Moving on from Face Clan to CS:GO, 100 Thieves they have completed their series B funding, where they raised i don't like using the word raised when it comes to like these fundings because like you didn't raise the money you were given the money but they were given 35 million dollars with that came the announcement of them building or buying their headquarters i'm 100 sure that's going to be lo- uh, located out in la it was interesting to see like uh, pretty much the headquarters is going to be like the same thing that the team liquid facility is But one thing that really stood out was the fact that they're going to have a retail store. And this makes me very curious because it's like, will this, will the headquarters be like a staple retail store? Or will they attempt to um, obtain more, more real estate and open more retail stores? Now, I think that... It's something that they're probably going to look into. And if they do, it'll probably remain very, very L.A. based. And it will probably only be like two stores, kind of like Supreme. Like you'll only be able to find like a very limited few. And I think they'll all be in L.A. And I can also see them not doing it and making everyone flock to the facility. And again, like the facility will have like the training, the the the, the training rooms and all this other stuff. So it's like. You're making a hub for the fans of, like, uh, 100 Thieves. Yeah, like, it'll also be a workspace, so, like, you have to, you know, balance the two. But it'll be a chance for fans to come out, but not only buy the gear, but, you know, get able be able to get autographs and pictures with players, you know, while they're training and practicing and just hanging out. Like, I think that 100 Thieves is trying to create an all-around esports experience with, like, their headquarters, which will be very interesting to see. And I would like to see how this help, like how this plays in regards to each of their teams from different, you know, each of their respective games, like hanging out and communicating and just seeing like how that has an effect on the org as a whole. I think it would be positive um, because that way they don't feel the players don't feel like, oh, I can only talk to, you know, the CSGO guys or I can only talk to, uh, um, you know, like the COD guys like they are able to have communication because i've heard a lot of the times before that an org, you know guys would live in the house and like be on playing different games like different teams um and they just wouldn't they wouldn't talk like they do like oh yeah we don't really talk to them or communicate with them blah 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 and it's like weird because like some of you guys live in the same house you know you're on the same team like i get it if you're in a different country a different state but it's like if you play for the same org i feel like you guys should have some type of connection with the players that are currently on the org and like It just makes for a better environment, and so you don't feel so constrained to just like who your teammates are. While I'm on the topic of a hundred thieves, because they have their League of Legends team, and that team will be practicing at the headquarters, the LCS has given Echo Fox seven days of compliance to remove the shareholder, um, admit Rosada. Now, this was announced, I believe, last Monday, so. Tomorrow will be the last day before we find out what happens with Echo Fox. Tomorrow, either Admit Rosada will be removed from Echo Fox or Echo Fox will be removed from the LCS. One of the two outcomes. Now, reading this brought up a very interesting topic for me. Why did Immortals not attempt to buy Echo Fox or their LCS slot when Echo Fox has been trying to sell themselves in regards to like this whole issue and scandal? Instead, Immortals went and bought the parent company, Optic, Infinite Esports and Entertainment. Now, One thing, one reason, the one of the main reason I can see that they didn't, I would think that they didn't buy um, Echo Fox's position within the LCS is because they might have already been in talks with buying the parent company of Optic. Right. My thing is, is you Immortals only wanted that slot in the LCS. That's like that's all they care. Everyone who knows like why Immortals was buying them. It was for the LCS spot. It wasn't because they wanted certain players. Like, it had nothing to do with that. Because if you think about it, they have to sell the the Houston Outlaws Overwatch team. They already dropped the Gears team. Optic didn't have a Halo team. If anything, they didn't even need to buy them for the call of duty spot because they were already given opportunity to be one of the first people to buy into the call of duty league unless buying them to obtain the lcl spot on top of getting a cod team without having to go and search and sign for players that i can see but i still feel like at the end of the day The only thing Immortals Gaming Club cared about was getting the LCS spot back, right? So again, I pose the question, why did Immortals not buy Echo Fox? I feel like it would have been a lot easier. It would have made a lot more sense. They would have been seen as someone who is respectively doing the right thing and saying, hey. This org or the, the shareholder with this org. Has come out and done something wrong. And like it would people would have looked at Immortals like, okay, they're here to right the wrong. Right? You missed out on opportunity. Because again, of course, people are excited to see Immortals come back to the LCS, but no one wanted to see Optic be like dismembered and obliterated with the way that it has. On top of that, with Immortals buying out optic the um co-owner ryan musselman ryan j musselman he has left so post immortals buyout ryan musselman has left this was announced um yesterday on saturday so not only did the co-founder of optic Step away after they got bought out due to, you know, the owners of that parent company wanting to sell. But now Optic is almost damn near non-existent. Yeah, they're going to they're going to keep the name for the Call of Duty sake, because like that's probably where most of Optic's fans are. So it's like, you know, you can't remove that name. Like you're going to you're literally destroying a piece of Cod history. And that's what Immortals has said. But it's like. The dudes that are playing on optic now are already like, you know, that optic is not our optic. So. What happens like is optic only going to exist in the realm of Call of Duty and that'll be, you know, that'll be it. It'll just be. Immortals optic because. You don't want to get rid of the optic name because of its history and the the um, fan base that you bring to it even though people will probably not love this team because of you know the the dealings that happened with it so i just again i posed that question of why didn't they buy the lcs spot from echo fox because i feel like it would have just made a lot more sense and it probably would have been easier that i don't know that i feel like that's something business side but i feel like that would have been a lot easier and just a better look for immortals than to instead of destroy An entire like legacy esports team you come in and be the savior of another esports team who's not being looked at in the best light right now and you step in and say hey we're willing to buy their spot so that this shareholder can no longer be a part of this org and potentially potentially if you would have bought out echo fox's lcs spot He would have the shareholder would have probably left because he would have been like, well, now that's the only place that we have a team. I'm no longer making money from that team, so fine. Yeah, I'll step away from the org and then who knows, come back next season and buy back yourself back in. But I think in order to drop the ball with not buying Echo Fox's LCS spot or buying out uh, Echo Fox. And now we have to deal with the downfall and destruction of what once was you know the legacy of optic gaming while i'm I'm talking about league we have to be very grateful for the safety of team liquids impact and insanity um for use. of for, the, for those of you who don't know, Impact is Team Liquid's top laner, and Insanity is one of their players from the Academy team. They were in a Uber and got into a car accident. Thankfully, both of them are alright. Um, they did have pictures posted on Twitter saying, hey, we're okay, but they both had on neck braces, so hopefully that does not affect their play, and I hope to see these players return um, to their teams healthy and ready to play, you know, speedy recovery. But we have to be grateful for that. In other news, former Dignitas founder Michael O'Dell left Dignitas and joined Rogue as the chief gaming officer. I don't know if most of you are familiar with uh, Michael O'Dell, but I know that he was very hands-on in Dignitas early in like their league days. I remember at... For a, a few months there, I was writing for Dignitas, and that's one thing that I'm gr- very grateful for, and, you know, in regards to Michael O'Does, I feel like he gave everyone an opportunity to contribute to the success of Dignitas in any way, shape, or form that they could, that they felt that they fitted best, and he gave them opportunity, and he also had staff members who were able to provide feedback on what people could um, improve on, now, I'm not going to say everyone's experience was the same as mine, but for me, when I did have that small stint with him, it was, it was not terrible. Um, but again, I'm grateful for the opportunity and again, the fact that he was able to, that he was able to just be so hands-on. So I think him going over to Rogue is, is is a good thing actually because Rogue is an organization that I want to see grow and expand more and be very hands-on with their players um and just be because I feel like Rogue is a very very strong organization but for me it's just like they haven't found their they haven't found their footing or their haven't started speaking to like their core fan base because of how much they move around i think they're still trying to solidify on what esports they want to be committed to because i think they're still very worrisome and skeptical and i only say that because it's like they are an org owned by steve Ioki so him being a dj of course you know everyone's all yeah I played video games but i think it's more skeptical of not knowing the space of esports and not knowing like it's just more of wanting to capitalize off of where you can capitalize the most and not knowing what esports are going to be where and you know what year or in whatever amount of years it makes that organization very worried about what games they should be funding and contributing to but i think mike that's something that michael odell can help with again because dignitas they damn near had a team and in every esport and again with them being very hands-on that'll let them know how what their fan base is like and who's very interested in what games and where they have the largest fan base and like be able to focus more resources into that community and grow their band within those spaces and then know like hey you know we have a lock on this game this game and this game like i was super disappointed when they pulled out of uh pub because i felt like you know You didn't really give PUBG an opportunity to grow as a game because you wanted instant and and immediate um, revenue and, you know, profit back, which isn't the case in eSport because there are a lot of orgs, again, who aren't profiting within the space. And like the profit, you're building an investment. And I think that they came into certain games or they look at certain games and then like, there will be no immediate invest investment for us because either the viewership on Twitch has declined due to a new popular BR coming out or, um you know, jumping onto a a game when it first drops, not knowing how it'll succeed or if it will succeed at all. And then get in then having to give up on it because, you know, you're starting to realize, like, OK, this is a wasted investment. So I'm happy for Michael O'Dell. I hope that him joining rogue gets them on track to be i already consider them a top tier org but just a more solid in the games that um that org wants to be in and help those communities grow let's jump back to immortals immortals released a collaboration shoe with K swiss I really wish Henry was here so that I could roast these shoes with him. With him being, you know, our our fashion correspondent. These shoes are hideous. While, yes, I think most of the sizes were sold out. When I went to go look at the website, I think it was only like four sizes left. These shoes are $120 and they're considered an esports performance shoe because they're easy to slip off and they're breathable and they have like I think like a removable sock for like when it's cold you can put in and then like you can take it out when it's when it's um when it's cooler or when it's too hot and then like you know it, it makes it a breathable shoe. I don't know what to me this is immortals having the whole shenanigans go on with Optic right now so they have people's attention. Granted this was this shoe collaboration was in works for about a year but i think it was the timing of it you know they, they have the eyes of people who are fans of optic and them being in works with k-swiss but it's just like what is a performance shoe for esports how do you have a shoe that's supposed to enhance your performance when you are not moving your feet for most esports like the only esport that i could see people actually moving their feet for is um like any type of competitive simulation racing game, like fours or anything that you might actually be using a full on rig and you have to actually use a gas pedal or brake pedal and like shifter. I could see you wanting a specific design shoe for that, but the fact that they made a shoe and it has like a collapsible heel that's like kind of like rubber. So it has easy, easy access to slip on and off. It's like, what, this shoe does nothing now as much as i want esports to grow and i'm happy to see that people bought this shoe because like they're supporting esports and they're supporting hopefully an orchid they actually um love and enjoy but it's like to some extent it's kind of robbery there's no like you can't this shoe is going to do absolutely nothing for anyone in regards to your performance on how you play that's like basketball players if basketball players were sold like a glove and saying oh this will enhance your you know your basketball skills or like a i don't i don't know like it's you're you're selling something to people for a part of their body that i guess the basketball thing was a terrible analogy because you technically use your hands to shoot a basketball so you know gloves could be seen as oh you need that because you're using your hands for this sport this is completely different. You're getting sold something that has necessarily no effect on your gameplay. Like, it's not like your peripherals, like your keyboard or your mouse or, or your headset. Like, this is your shoe. There are people who play in flip flops and Gucci slides and take their shoes off when they're playing. Like, there's so many crazy things that players do that I feel like the last thing that you should be spending your money on is a an esports performance shoe that to me don't look appealing at all right it's like you're gonna buy the shoe and not to say like oh you think like the shoe's gonna give you some superpower, but in your the back of your head you're gonna be like okay i should feel this way when i have the shoe on and i'm playing and blah 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 and it's like no it's 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 it, like it to me it just doesn't make any sense what do your feet have to do with the way that your hands move or The way that you position your, you know, hands on the keyboard, like to me, it just doesn't make any sense. It yes, like you should have a shoe that's comfortable, but I feel like saying you have an esports performance shoe doesn't bring that and say like, yeah, anyone who wears this, you're gonna love it and you're gonna be super comfortable. So moving on from the stupid esports um shoe, like yeah, me, I'm I'm not, I'm in, I'm not in agreement with that. Like I won't be buying the shoe anyone that i see wearing a shoe i'm definitely going to question and ask them what was their intentions on behind like buying the shoe and i hope they all just say oh i just wanted to support immortals like if they say that fine no judgment here but if you say i was looking forward to improve my game i'm gonna look at you as a weirdo and hopefully we'll have like some other conversation because i just need to get down to the bottom of why people are buying this esports performance shoe so again moving on from the shoe Cavs legion the uh nba 2k org they are deciding to open their own esports center this is not surprising especially since a lot of of the overwatch teams are getting stadium or i won't say getting teams but doing homesteads where they're making stadiums or like small arenas for people to watch um overwatch league and on top of that the dallas Mavs have a gaming center um in the same realm it's it's very, very interesting to see, and I like that it's gonna provide a hub for people who are not only basketball fans but fans of Two K and competitive Two K, um, for a space to not only go and watch the games, and interact with the players, and just feel like they are part of the the community and the culture of gaming and basketball. But it's cool because it'll give you know basketball actual basketball players a new space and opportunity to meet different type of fans who. Who are familiar with them and would like to play games with them things like that and the other thing that i see this doing is the same thing that again overwatch league is doing with the homesteads it's going to provide an away away court and um, home court for these teams to be able to play and maybe do homestead like events like maybe you know five teams will come down for that week that they have to play and they'll play them um at their land center or maybe they can play them from their land centers like it'll just be very very different and unique to see i don't know if we'll ever get to see esports players get to the stature that traditional sports players go through in regards to traveling because esports players now with for 2k league you won't have to travel overseas necessarily but other other game titles they you know esports players do travel overseas but 2K League might be something where they can actually travel domestically and it might be I don't know I want to I don't think it would be financially the best right now but maybe because these guys are uh, owned by you know NBA teams they have the financial backing for it but to be able to fly these guys from state to state to be able to play and people actually get an opportunity to watch their favorite uh, players play would be super interesting to see. Now, I don't know how the players will deal with that or if they're comfortable with flying just to, you know, go play one night in one city or maybe, you know, whatever. But I'm on board for the 2K uh, 2K orgs opening up like these gaming centers, these esports centers. centers. Um, I think it's really cool. It, and because, again, because the NBA is domestic to one country, um, I think it provides a lot better and easier structure of being able to work out the logistics of that versus like the overwatch homestead where you have people in china and like korea and it's like in la and new york it's like how the hell are you gonna make that happen in other news Wiz khalifa has partnered with the pittsburgh knights now if you don't remember or you aren't familiar and you haven't listened to the episode, I recommend going back and listen to our episode where we interviewed Leonix at PAX East. He is the owner of Pittsburgh Nights. And when you get to the end of the episode, I asked him, would there be any opportunity where we see him working with Wiz Khalifa or, you know, doing like a music festival? And he kind of laughed and chuckled and said, you're getting at something that I can't really speak on right now. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. Like I, we, like first of all, if you're familiar with Wiz Khalifa and how passionate he is about his hometown of Pittsburgh, you should know this was coming. Especially with you know the way people are, the famous people and artists are moving into the esports. It's it's bound to happen. So me seeing this was not surprising, but I was happy to hear it because it just brought. A smile to my face knowing that I had a conversation with the owner of this and like this was something that he was working toward and he finally got it to happen and the people around him and the team that were around him got it to happen. I don't know what this k- partnership will necessarily consist of in the same way that Tory Lane's partnering with Luminosity like. I will say, though, like they already have are one step ahead of Luminosity because they made. Wiz khalifa you know special um Wiz khalifa t-shirts with pittsburgh night it has the pittsburgh night logo on the chest and then it says khalifa on the back with the number 19 and then i think it has like the pittsburgh like uh pittsburgh nights logo on the sleeve so you know him where him repping that at a concert or a festival and people not being familiar with what pittsburgh nights is they'll you know go look it up and it'll bring you know fans of pittsburgh to want to represent that uh esports org especially since they know like it's their city There that 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 org is representing their city um i think it'll bring new fans in and people who see it would be like oh like you know go to a Wiz Khalifa concert and you see that shirt and you're like that sick like i'm familiar and i know what that is and like i have that knowledge and like kind of behind the scenes like inside of like i know what that means but I want to see I want to know and see like more of what these partnerships mean um, in regards to artists partnering with them, like with Drake and 100 Thieves. It's different because Drake was investing in it like he he invested it with like Scooter Brom and, and um, Dan Gilbert, like he's putting money into this, like for Tory Lanez and Wiz Khalifa. Does this mean they're putting money into these organizations? Are are they like shareholders, stakeholders? Like, what does them being partner with these orgs mean, outside of just them kind of getting the the artists getting the exposure from the fans of esports and vice versa, esports fans getting exposure to these artists' music. So hopefully maybe one day like next time i see leonis hopefully i can sit down and have that conversation with him and you know hey what what does being partnered with wiz like i would love to have a conversation with wiz because there's other things about music that i think correlate with esports that i would love to ask him but who knows maybe in the future we can get that interview i I, i'm not gonna get my hopes up but i just want to know what does an artist partnership consist of more with esports um because I don't think anything has come of the Tory Lanes and Luminosity uh gaming signing since he wore the hoodie at a concert like that was all I've seen from that like what else is Tory Lanes contributing to Luminosity and what else is Luminosity contributing to Tory Lanes So let's move into a little bit of Twitch news to close this episode out Um I think her name is Aleni uh, no no I don't know how to pronounce it, Alinti or Al- alini the chick that threw her cat above her head and that gave her cat vodka kisses. She's being investigated by Animal Protection Services. She got tweeted out by PETA like, or Twitch tweeted out Uh, PETA tweeted out to Twitch support and said, hey, ban this chick. I'm not going to dive too deep in this because I feel like everyone is on the same page in this like. And, and the the crazier thing is that some women came out and said, hey, this is a double, double standard because if a, a, a male Twitch streamer did this, he would have been banned immediately. But the fact that she's female and she's attractive and she gets all these, all these viewers and she brings all this traffic to the website, that's probably why she hasn't gotten banned. And Twitch is known for that. Twitch is very smart. They're a very large company and they're owned by Amazon. They know that there are certain streamers they can get away with not banning who have a large audience because if we ban them, it's not going to be like Dr. Disrespect. So, for example, them not banning her immediately and knowing that people are having this conversation of, hey, she did this. She did this. That's going to drive. Twitch doesn't care if it's toxic or not. It's driving traffic to their website because people are going to go to her stream. Her stream is on their website. That's going to drive up the traffic, the number of their traffic. Right. Versus like whereas is Dr. Disrespect? If he gets banned, like which he did at E3. When he comes back, his number and the amount of traffic is going to skyrocket Twitch traffic again because people are going to actively make an effort and they're going to keep coming back and checking for Dr. Disrespect's return. And that's just, and you know it's going to be a, be a massive event. So they're going to aim to do that. So they know like, oh, he did this. Okay, let's ban him. When he comes back, more viewers, right? With her, it might not be the thing might not be the same thing she might get banned and they lose viewers because if she returns people aren't gonna flock to her for her to return they might flock to harass her yes but the number of people who are gonna flock to her and they that watch her on a regular basis might not come back to watch her or the people who just like went for a few days or whatever blah, 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 like they're going to kind of forget. Like, I don't think she's going to have the same effect that Dr. Disrespect or Shroud or Ninja would have if they got banned. Like if she gets banned, like it's not, it's not good for Twitch. And it's not bad for Twitch. And it's probably more bad for her than anything else because she's going to lose some fans, but Twitch doesn't gain from it. So we keep her on the platform and have people go to her, her stream and harass her. And hopefully doesn't go too far like we can bring more traffic into the site i feel like that's how twitch is looking at it and that's why nothing has been done now in regards to what she did i think it was really stupid just like everyone else um the vodka thing i know someone said she was drunk or potentially drunk i don't think that's really an excuse because regardless of if you were drunk or not you shouldn't be putting alcohol in your cat's mouth And the only thing that I can give for that is, yes, it was still a stupid thing. But the fact that it already occurred a year ago, and I feel like I think it was already brought up that she, you know, was ridiculed and crucified for it. Like not to say we should forgive her for it, but, you know, and not to say we should forget, but we shouldn't we shouldn't. Uh, It's her behavior of her throwing the cat should not be surprising but on top of that it shouldn't just be like the her her doing the vodka kisses with the cat shouldn't just be like you know ignore thrown under the under the table like we should be made aware that it happened and that she has like this past of doing really abusive things with her animals or to her animals um to bring that awareness but i think we should focus on like What is happening at the moment and not like, again, if it's something that happened in the past, just because you weren't aware of it, like it would have been different if people were completely in the dark about it, which seems most people seem to be um, because they weren't aware that it happened before. And it's the fact that like now the art, the whole thing of her throwing her cat on top of that previous thing that people weren't aware of. Now, people are looking at it as one major big incident Versus looking at each incident as their own thing, right? So, pretty much what that thing is, with that with with her situation, I think she should be banned. Maybe not permanently from Twitch, but there needs to be some repercussions for her actions. Especially if she wasn't banned in the past for um, the vodka kisses stuff. Like, now that that's been brought to light. It should be not, again, it shouldn't be taken Together, like, they shouldn't be bunched together and be like, okay, well, you've done this, this, and this. Together, like, now we're banning you. It. it should be like, okay, this happened, we gave you a chance, we didn't ban you, but now you've continued this behavior, now we have to ban you. That's where I stand on that. Anywho, I'm going to close this episode out. Hopefully, Henry can be with us next week when I when we record and we can get some good conversations in. With that being said, I want to thank you all for listening. I love and appreciate you. And until good game do its part, I'll talk to you on the next episode.